Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. I have been waiting until later in the evening to record these intros. That's why my voice is a little bit lower. Uh, my pregnant wife is asleep, so I gotta keep it kinda quiet. So let's keep this intro short. But what a fucking awesome guest today. We have David. He is the producer behind the Unwritable Rant with Juliet Miranda. Um, crazy good show. It's a show I found on Actually, I found it on Twitter because of him and Potter and Family, which is a great hashtag you should follow. And um, I think he just tweeted it at me or I tweeted him. I don't remember how, but basically he said that he liked my show and he listened, He would subscribe. So I was like, oh, I'll check out your show. And the first thing I see is they had Ari Schaffer, Lisa Ann, and the woman, I forget her name, Kristen something, who was the showrunner of the Muppets. And I was like, holy shit. And, uh, they've had, like, Ed Bagley Jr., they've had Eric Roberts, they've had Don McLean, like, they get celebrity podcasters. We have, uh, some, uh, 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 some common guests with, uh, Michael Price, who's a Simpsons writer that we'll talk about. And so, this just kind of came together. I was so happy. I've wanted to have him and Juliet on the show for so long. I had Juliet, the host of Unrivaled Rant, will be the week after next guest. But this week we got David. Uh, the producer, which is fun. I like hearing about behind the heat scene stuff. And of course, I'd be remiss if I don't mention that we're joined by the wonderful Dwight Hurst, who is a past guest, a friend, and he has a podcast called Broken Brain, uh, and Amigla, the magazine. He's just all over the place with podcasts and just rad fucking dude. So, um, this fun episode, a lot of fun, really funny. Like these guys are, I, I know Dwight. I didn't know David. Dwight didn't know David. It's a funny guy. It's like we all clicked. It's kind of like if you just put some people together at a coffee shop, this is the conversation we would have. And um, then we didn't, you know, just just sat down and just all clicked. Just such a such nice people. So David's doing a really cool thing. on. Uh, if you're listening to this in real time, January 29th, 2017, noon central time, he's doing a YouTube live booking celebrity guest on your podcast. I will be watching. Uh, I'll be promoting this on my social media as well, because like I said, they have actual celebrities on this show, which blows my mind. I did my best not to freak out and like pick his brain. I'm like, how do you do that? There is some good advice if you have a podcast, uh, but we love Arrested Development and Breaking Bad and Sopranos, and we just dick around about TV, and just, but this is such a fun episode. Uh, so make sure you find him on Twitter, at Behind the Rant. Check out their website, theunwritablerant.com. They're on Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. Uh, they have a really good website. And check out some of Juliet's writing, because they're awesome. And uh, they were reviewed by HuffPo by our mutual friend, um, Mark Hershon, who's a past guest as well. And uh, check out Dwight online. He's on Twitter, at BreakABrain. He's got a website, DwightHurst.com. And uh, just type in Broken Brain. Check him out on some past episodes here. Make sure you listen to the Unwritable Rant. It's a pretty big show. I feel like... It's gonna, if all the Potter and Family shows, my guess is this is gonna be the one that breaks to be the next, one of the ones that breaks to be like the next level. Uh, so. Oh, as, and anyways, I just wanna point out, also, just a quick shout out for me, uh, there's a new episode of my other podcast, Sketched Out on TV, where we talk, myself and Bob, we talk about the Kids in the Hall sketch, uh, Squish Your Head. So if you don't know about that, Sketched Out on TV is a comedy podcast about one specific sketch per sketch TV show. It's a shorter podcast hosted by myself and uh, Bubba Wheat from the FilmWise podcast and Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights. Wonderful show. Please check it out. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm on Twitter at Let's Chat Podcast. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, leave the show a, a positive review on iTunes. It really, really mean the world to me. And if you do, let me know. And I'll do something nice back for you. Anyway, let's get to it. Let's Chat with Revel and Friends is part of Courts and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, and movie podcasts. Check out our other shows, That Popped This Live, Talking Shondaland, We Got Five, and TV Ate My Brain at courtsandparts.com. The opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid to Bring. Funk, Master Flex, Love, Funk, Star, Ski. Where, where are you based out of? Are you guys in Tennessee? No, actually Chicago. Oh, I just assumed from, I listened to your show a ton, 
Uh, because of Juliet's accent, I just always picture you guys like in Nashville or something. It's her second, uh, favorite place to be outside of, uh, you know, New Orleans. Uh, she likes, uh, Nashville and the whole South. So she's kind of an adopted Southerner. Ah. Uh, I love New Orleans. That's one of my favorite places. I've never been. Oh, it's great. Great. We try to get there a couple times a year. My wife has been twice without me. And <laughs> that, now I want to go. I've, 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 I, uh, I grew up in the liberal, annoying Northeast, so you kind of get raised with this like hatred towards the South, and then you get older and travel, and you go down there, you're like, we're a bunch of dicks. This place is great. <laughs> I loved it down there. I went to North Carolina a couple times, and it was just like, everyone was nice, the food was delicious, the scenery was different than what I was used to, and I just, oh, I loved it so much. Epic. Yeah, you should send your wife down there more often. Without me? go <laughs> <laughs> to, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. What part of the Northeast you're from, if you enjoy joy and pleasure or not, if that was, if that, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm from Connecticut originally, so maybe not. Oh, yeah, Self-deprecating yeah. is, uh, our, our second nature. Yeah. I think, I think it's actually on the state flag. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> but I'm also not from like the stereotypical like part of Connecticut where it's like the new, like, um, it's like Greenwich, like that area. I'm from like the dead center. So it's just like suburbia meets, Inner city. Is that from? Is that a subtle way of saying you're not from the private orchard having part of Connecticut? Yep, I'm from all, <laughs> all the towns. Connecticut is like the biggest wealth gap, so it's like either your town is very wealthy or just in poverty. And there's like there's very few towns where it's in between. So like we were next to like Cheshire and Wallingford, which were like well-to-do uppity towns, and then there's Meriden, which is like the the people the people from the rich town came to my town to to, work, to buy town to buy the drugs, and they complain about the the drugs. <laughs> Oh, there's so many drugs in Meriden. Let's get out of here and blow our coke in Longford. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure everyone has those wherever they grow up. They have those areas. I grew up in, in Pennsylvania. When I, I've moved now, I live out in the. I'm centered in Utah now since we're doing a geography uh, uh, comparison. Uh, anyway, we are. but living in the West, it's interesting to talk to people about the East because they have a certain idea. New Jersey, New York, all one big urban sprawl, crime everywhere. And so you're like, oh, I'm from the East Coast area. Oh, that must be tough. Or were you, you know? So anyway, I think everybody has that idea of Connecticut that it, from from yeah. like Gilmore Girls or something. Yep. Well, it's funny because I would never consider Pennsylvania like the East Coast, like because no one calls it the East Coast on the East because Not it's, out there, right? That's what you're talking. Maine to Florida is like two different countries in a way, like it's just so different. <laughs> but when you go out to the West, the, the West Coast is three states, and we're what sixteen? Right, exactly. Like it's from Northern Maine to Southern Florida is like I don't know, a couple of days probably by car. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've never done it. Uh, I spent a lot of time in Wallingford, actually. Really? Yeah. What? Did you go to Choate? Uh, no, actually, I went to, uh, I used to go to Wallingford for, uh, my old day gig, uh, and they were based out of Wallingford, so I'd always have to make that trip out there. Oof. No way. What did you do? Are you allowed to talk about that? Oh, I, I can say what I do, just not where I work. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I was a vice president of sales, uh, for a tech company out of, uh, Wallingford. Really? We had tech companies in Wallingford? Yeah, you believe it? I know. No. It's such a sleepy little town. It is. Well, the rumor was that Harrison Ford had a house there, which I don't know if that was ever true, but there was always rumors that there's one deli he would always visit, but I don't know. I never, I never <laughs> that, saw him. That's why David can't say who he worked for. <laughs> that's right, because there's David, only probably one or two tech companies. <laughs> Harrison Ford's tech company. And that's can right. I, can I take a guess that you worked on Research Parkway? No, actually not. Uh, it, it was this, uh, it, it was in a very weird spot. Uh, but if I'm trying to remember what street that was. This goes back like, uh, six years ago. But yeah, it was, uh, it, you, for any kind of entertainment, we ended up just going to the casino and driving about an hour just to get, you know, yep. the heck out of Dodge. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, there's some, it's a lovely little place to live. And I don't live, I live in Providence now, but. I did not know that uh, Wallingford had tech company. Well, I'm sure there's stuff. I think it's one of those things when you're a kid, you hate it, and then you grow up. You're like, this is a good place to grow up. It's near things, and it's nice. <laughs> well, it's close enough to New York, right? You can get there in yes, uh, but what, about an hour. Not if you're from Connecticut, because to me, New York was like the nexus of the universe. Like I had no idea how close it was until I got into college. Like my parents, we never went to New York or Boston. Like that, you would think. That would be like getting on an airplane and going to Hawaii. Like it just did not happen in our family. Uh, that's but, 
That's a, yeah. that's funny because I remember that too. It was like two and a half, three hours to drive to like Manhattan from where I lived, and and it's like, why didn't I go there more often? Yeah, and now you're an airplane away, and you never go. Right. But it, I know when I, when you live there, it's I don't know. My in-laws are from Jersey, and like my father-in-law worked in New York City, and like they're just such bridge and tunnel people, which I kind of pick on them for because they always talk about how much they love in New York. I'm like, you guys don't know anything about but Midtown. <laughs> I don't think you ever even been to like Staten Island or anything. I mean, I don't know why. We're the other way that. around. We live about an hour outside of Chicago. We're in the burbs, and yeah. we get we get down there all the time, as much as we humanly possibly can. That's awesome. You guys are much hipper and cooler. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> no, I mean, you need to you need to think about what the bar is, David. You're here with with Chris yeah. and I. It's a Friday morning. We're all. Well, I'm on vacation today, so I'm so and podcasting and podcast. Yeah, I have a bunch lined up. I'm. Yeah, that's basically it. Um, so Ju- is Julia is your wife, correct? That's right. Yeah. All right, because that'd be awkward if you're like, no, actually, if we've taken a break. <laughs> this podcast just took a turn. What do you speak <laughs> of? <laughs> I've never heard of her. Who's oh, this Juliet? I, I was. I've actually. Um, I'm actually. Believe it or not, I'm terrible at getting people on the show. So I have this very long list of people to ask. And the way I do it is I record like 10 episodes and then I don't touch it for like three months. But you and Juliet have been on my list and I always just never ask because I, I don't know why. I just get like a roadblock. I'm like, oh, they're going to say no. And then I never ask. So I was so happy when you said yes today. Ah, it's perfect timing. I've, thanks for having me on. This oh, is course. awesome. We uh, were big listeners to your show. Yeah, well, that, you said I, sh- I ran to my wife. I was like, oh, my God, someone listens. And she's, she's <laughs> like, she goes, I know I don't. I was like, I know. <laughs> It's nice to point that out. Yeah. I'm always just glad when anyone listens, but especially if it's someone I've heard of. Wow. Yeah, well, it's funny. Podcasting. I, I really like uh, the Unwritable Rant because uh, you guys have actual celebrities, and Julia is a very good interviewer, or the whole time I'm like – when you had uh, – was it Ed Bagley Jr.? Is that how you say his name? Yeah. yeah. On, I don't know how she just didn't make alopecia jokes and talk about Veronica Mars, but somehow she uh, <laughs> kept it professional. So I was like, that's how you do it. Yeah, well, Chris, he's listening, and and if uh, if, if Ed Beggy uh, hears, that's what you guys call him, right? Or casually, yeah, Ed that's Beggy. right. Yeah, it's, Eddie Beggs. <laughs> yeah, offline, it's it. Yeah, it's Eddie Beggs. Yeah, <laughs> Eddie Beggs the donuts. I think is what he goes by. But yeah, he's listening. So uh, you know, don't don't blow all the questions now. <laughs> I was, that's right. What's it like to be on Arrested Development? And even though no one liked it when it aired, I'm sure he's like, I don't care. Leave me alone. <laughs> kid <laughs> yeah it's it's weird how you know coming up for uh, questions for a guy who's done a big body of work it's Everything. like where do you start where do you go what you know what's the storyline that you want to tell it's like ah yeah thank god i don't have to do any of that that's all Juliet's job <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's on her own for that one i just get the guess i go okay balls in your court you do what you want with it it's, it's up to you yeah, and go. <laughs> can I ask, are these are they people who you have some kind of relationship often with, where you've talked to them before? Or is this like a cold first meeting? Hey, let me ask you about that. You know that that arrest in college. I don't know. I don't think you guys ask those kind of questions, but it's ninety percent. We don't. It's cold. Yeah, it's because they have very little time, and they don't you know typically do pre interviews. So they'll you know, it's we get in touch with their PR people. They set it up. And then, you know, we just uh, you know kind of tell the intent of what we want to talk about uh, in the note that we send to them, like whatever they're promoting at that time. But the only time that we reach out to people is when we know that they're in promotion mode. Oh, that's it's smart. A lot easier to get them because if they have nothing to talk about, why would they talk to us? You know, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. You know, I, I want to rehash my whole career for no reason at all. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, probably not. And sometimes people don't want to talk about the thing they're there for. So like. It's like sometimes that's hard. You're like, oh, yeah, you, right. you just don't know. Yeah, you get the vibe real quick though when they when they just kind of you know skim over it uh, over the the current project. <laughs> I my well, I had uh, a writer on for The Simpsons and he was here to promote his new Netflix show. But of course, in my head, I was like, let me find the most obscure bodies of work he did and bring those up. And I actually think he found it charming. He's like, you actually watched Teen Angel? Yeah, that's Michael Price. Yeah. 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 Like, I was like, you know what that is? It's like, I fucking watched it. <laughs> we had Michael on our show, too. He's awesome. I think maybe awesome. that's where I stole him from. No, it, it's, he loves doing podcasts. So Anyone it's, it's not considering him. stealing. And he'll he'll get Such on podcasts and talk about The Simpsons all day long. The nicest fucking guy, too. And really? He, he, like, 
there's been a few people I've had like in my head that was like the biggest deal I could get, and then like they sent me like a thank you letter or tweet. I was like, really? Like, that's, no, thank you. That's yeah. unusual, like of classiness than we're. And I, I mean, I don't do that, and I, I go on podcasts, and I'm a nobody. Like, I'm not in the entertainment world by any means, and I hope so to thank you for anything. I'm just like, eh, back to work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's one of the things I actually really like about the podcasting community. Is it seems to be a community of like abundance uh, is the theory. Everybody's like, yeah, let me share. Hey, here's this email. This person said they'd love to be on more shows, um, and and it just seems overall. I mean, you got some you got some some assholes here and there everywhere, I guess. But uh, you, you mostly have people who are very encouraging of each other's projects. That's one of the things I think is cool about. Mm, it uh, is a really sweet community of people. Like, uh, what's that saying? Uh, raising water, something water raises all ships. Rising tides. Rising tides. Yeah. 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 It's uh, yeah, wash your wash your clothes with tide and <laughs> wash your clothes yeah. with tide and your ship will get, grow. <laughs> Hashtag tide pods. So where where are you from, David? Because you have such a like a good voice, like a radio voice. Uh, it's just out of Chicago. Yeah. yeah it's uh, yeah. I've, I've never. But there's done, no accent. I've, no, I, I, yeah, not down by there over here. Uh, yeah. yeah, you haven't said dumbass at all. Outside, yeah, and I didn't pick that up for some reason. I don't know why. That's something. Isn't radio voice a required high school class in uh, Chicago? <laughs> yes, a lot of radio people actually come out of Chicago. It's a, it's a very weird thing. But no, I never took broadcasting school or anything. I'm really? A, I'm totally behind the scenes guy. I don't belong in front of the mic. I only do things like this just so that I have some level of outlet. <laughs> That's, but yeah, cause, uh, yeah, there is a big radio, a lot of, uh, radio people come out of Chicago. Like, I don't know if they're like shock jocks, but there's one I like. Do you guys watch Parks and Rec? Like, you know, Jim O'Hare from, uh, he plays oh, oh, yeah. He's, I've listened to him on like something and he was like a Chicago radio guy turned actor. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I've always wanted to go to Chicago. It's been on my list and I almost got to go once and then didn't happen and I still regret not being able to go. Well, don't come now. Ugh, weather's. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking snow. What the hell? Yeah, we got a foot last weekend. And, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah we had like an no inch. Fun. And I complained. It was like done. Yeah, come out in the summer. That's uh, You'll have a blast. Yeah, it's I, all the food shows I watch that go to Chicago. I'm like, oh, my God, I need to go there. When's the, they have a big jazz festival, don't they? I said that. That's, that's probably the they most do. nice thing anyone's ever said on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got a big jazz festival. Yeah. <laughs> no, they do. They have a, a big jazz festival, a big blues festival. Uh, they do, well, Lollapalooza's here every year now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, they have tons of, I mean, every weekend you could find a new festival easily in any of the neighborhoods. Hmm. Are you guys in, involved in, like, the comedy scene? Uh, we love comedy. We're big fans of comedy. Uh, we go to comedy shows. Yeah, we just saw David Tell uh, at uh, the Improv what two weeks ago. Oh man, how was he? Oh, he was awesome. You he's know, so Tell's funny. just the best, man. He's like that kind of old school. Like before um, people started complaining about PC culture, like he kind of sneaks under that because he's from that older age and he can just say and do anything. But he's really funny. Oh, hysterical! And you know, there was a meet and greet afterwards, and. You know, Juliet's like, should we ask him to be on the podcast? I go, you know how many people in this line are probably doing the same thing? Yeah. <laughs> he's, you know, yeah. He doesn't want to hear that now. Let's just go through his PR people. <laughs> he doesn't want to hear. No, you're right. I guess you're that's probably right. And I, I, uh, I saw him at the, what was it? The, the oddball comedy fest maybe last year. And yeah. it was weird to see him in like an amphitheater because he was just doing his same brash humor and the people in the front like were not digging it because they were there for someone like, uh, I forgot who the headliner was. Like I think Yanni. It was, <laughs> I think it was Amy Schumer. It was like someone good, but it was just like, they were like, oh, he's kind of a dick. And I was like, this is fucking great. Yeah. You're so out of place right now, dude. Yanni, Yanni kills at stand-up, by the way. I don't know if you yeah, guys he know. Does. He does. He is a funny man. Just the mustache alone. I mean. <laughs> I don't know who that is, guys. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, I he's a, it, going back to the jazz stuff. <laughs> he's, oh. or, or is it, uh, what's that genre called? I forget what he's part of. Uh, it's like. Not it's, new, uh, music. Yeah, new agey electronic music. Yeah, new agey. Yeah, uh, elevator music. My wife, one of my wife's friend group from high school uh, always calls him the blissful mute because <laughs> he's never. You don't hear him talk that much. He just is always playing. Shows him on some keyboard. That's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, that's you no. Know, I did a I did a interview that I haven't quite 
I don't think I've actually produced it yet on my show, but we were talking about comedy. I was talking to uh, Jacopo de la Cuerza, who's a writer for Cracked, and we were talking about that whole thing, comedy being too uh, PC or whatever. And the interesting thing, I have a theory, so I'm going to flow it out and see what you guys think of it, uh, is that I don't actually believe it. I don't think that PC has ruined comedy. I just think that it's required it to become funnier and more clever and they don't let people get away. The crowds are less likely to let people get away with laziness than they used to be. So that's my that's my thesis. You guys can discuss. Yeah, I think you're right. You it's I think people are more careful about what they do for their specials for when it's kind of consumed in a, a bigger mass. But when they're doing nightclubs or theaters, they pretty much just assume that that's their crowd mm-hmm. that they can kind of do what they want. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like in a, in a world where like Breaking Bad is our favorite show, you can't say we're not gritty and we're not, you know, <laughs> willing to watch things that are not, uh, just cool and nice and pretty and, and we're not all living in some safe space bubble. Uh, it just, it just, it, it means they have to actually be funny. You gotta work for it. And like, if you look back to like the 80s comedy boom, like how many of those things were just fucking garbage? There was just like, comedy clubs and they just needed bodies so people would just get up there and just swear and say, offensive things but it wasn't like a joke it wasn't well crafted it wasn't well written i mean look at yeah. bill burr says i guess we'd call unpolitically correct stuff and he's brilliant because he yeah. can write a joke i mean it's right. he's a skilled he's a skilled writer there's an evolution there too right because i mean you think about uh seinfeld they kind of made waves with the one uh episode that they had that was it was all centered around the, the masturbation contest if you guys remember the oh, uh, master from of seinfeld Lord, where they all yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. And and I remember at the time that was like huge. That they never actually even said the word masturbation anywhere on the episode. If I remember, they just like implied just it, alluded to it. Yeah. And everybody, I remember people being kind of like, "Whoa, that's pretty heavy for network TV." And it's like, okay, we're a little past that now, to where you couldn't do that and have that be the same kind of funny now, because it would be like, all right, what do something interesting with it, you know? And it's not as interesting to just mention it or not mention it. Uh, and so you have to work a little harder. And some of the people I think that have been in the game for a long time kind of resent that, maybe. I think the weird thing is that weird things get selected or taken out of context where somebody will post a short video from someone doing a show and saying some joke that you know might be out of context of the whole bit. And then a whole thing of Twitter shaming goes on. Mm-hmm. And, and people just pile on. And it's like, well, you, you're really not listening to the whole act. You're not understanding where that joke came from, if it's a callback. If, you just don't know. Yeah, I think it's really unfair. <laughs> yeah. No, you guys watch South Park? Used to. This season has probably been some of their best work, but they do this funny equation about troll culture. They like have a scientist explain how trolls work, and it just basically like, and then it's the episode's all about Trump, and he's like, "Isn't that how I got elected?" So it's like, person A tweets one thing to really at tw- person B, but is really trying to get a reaction out of person C, who then gets a reaction out of D, E, and then it just goes from there. And therefore, it's and I was like, but in South, true South Park form, you're like, "That's right." And then, uh, but that's exactly what that reminded me of. That's of, great. Of Twitter shaming. But then every every so often though, and uh, I am a fan of Lena Dunham. But then every so often she gets some Twitter shaming, and I'm like, Ooh, "Yeah, Lena, I saw listen, the recent one. <laughs> yeah, the abortion thing. I'm like, it's getting yeah. harder and harder to defend you sometimes. And I like you. I was yeah. like, that's out of context. People are just being mean to her. Then I read the thing. I was like, oh come on. <laughs> yeah, you read this, you said this, and then you could have edited it out, and you didn't. Sometimes, you know, things are taken out of context and, and others people right. just say stupid things. Yeah, and that's okay. I'm not going to shit on her more than anyone else did. But I, even my wife and I were reading that like, oh, God, it gets hard to defend you sometimes, Lena Dunham. It's it's a line I used to use when I used to, uh, when I supervised employees, I would say, it's hard for me to advocate for you when you do that. That was oh, my, I my go- use that. Instead of like uh, just, just reaming somebody out, I just used to say that. <laughs> I can't stand up for you when you're doing that. So stop it. I don't supervise anyone, but I should just start talking to people like that. (laughs) You should start supervising everyone at your workplace, Chris. I I would love to. I mean, I've been the supervisor many times, just in my current role I'm not, but I I should just start talking to people like that. Do it at home. Start at home. That'll work out real well for you. Hey, Victoria. (laughs) (laughs) She's pregnant, so that might not not even go well at all. (laughs) What? 
A wise man once told me that you could do anything you want on your last day. <laughs> I, I was just curious, Chris. Did you just roll up a huge metal garage door behind you? What's that sound that I heard? It sounds like one of those loading bay doors. Just stupid. <laughs> do you guys find that like when you're like uh, or having interviews or stuff, like, do you worry about you or the guest ever worry about saying something out of context like i'm not at that level where people come on and then it's going to make the news and i don't think i may ever will be but like sometimes it'll happen with like nerdist or wtf or i think that just happened with someone where oh james hetfield said something on the joe rogan experience that like kind of got you know it's a four-hour conversation and one part he talks about moving away from the bay area because he couldn't handle the elitism so he moved to colorado and then that little piece got taken out and then kind of blown out of context in a four-hour conversation jeez well uh, that that happened uh, when barack obama was on wtf oh remember. he dropped the n-word yeah yeah he said and he, and he used it in a very like obviously very appropriate way if you listen to the interview but oh, it you know, pulled it out and said look obama says he's throwing around the n-word like he's a rapper or whatever. Yep. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Pat, well, Barack Obama, MC. Yeah. You know, I I actually will ask people after I interview them at the end. I always ask, is there anything that you don't want put out there? Um, just more of a courtesy. I, I very rarely. Once again, I'm I'm like you, Chris. I'm not at the level where anyone's uh, listening celebrity wise necessarily. But but sometimes since my show's about mental health, there people are concerned about the industry. Um. I did have a, a nonprofit on once where we got off talking about something that was a little bit darker side of the industry that or the area that they were helping. I'm, I want to make I'm just being careful not to out them. Um, it wasn't anything that they did. It was just like they were a charity that helped with a certain thing, and there's like kind of a darker side to how that interacted with, I guess, certain elements of the sex trade or something. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, I don't know if my CEO would want that to be our forefront we want to just focus on what we you know the, the things will get people to donate and stuff so we cut it yeah, I've, I've had that a few times with people and I'm, I'm always just like yeah whatever you want out i don't i'm not a journalist the great thing about this all being a podcast when we do these is that we all have the opportunity to edit them after the fact and yep. we've had some guests on that have said some things that they didn't probably even remember that they said but I thought, oh my God, if we put that out, that's going to make them look really bad. I mean, really, really bad. So you know, just edit it out. You know, it's, it's just creative editing. Yeah. So I mean, I'm always more interested in maintaining a positive relationship with a person than the gotcha journalism. Yeah. Yeah. We're not looking to be TMZ. You know, yeah. I mean, we could easily put those clips in and just say, well, look what this person said. And yeah, it's, we'd never get another good guest again no. because they, they'd say, well, okay, they're going for the, you know, that angle. You know, don't we want don't that. want to be part of that. Right. And, and your show doesn't seem to even have that element to it. Like your show seems to be really focused on more of like the positivity and, you know, the stuff people want to hear. It's not like, let's find out the dirt on this person. Like it's more celebrating their work or. We try, you know, that's, that's the angle that we try to shoot for. And, you know, it's, uh, we want them to have a positive experience. We want it to be, uh, you know, the audience to, you know, understand that person a little bit better, you know, hear their stories and try to get stuff that they haven't really talked about in the past out through the whole course of that. And you know, that's kind of the goals. Well, I love your guest list because I, I think I have somehow I found your show through Twitter through the wonderful hashtag pattern family. And I'm like, oh, man, you guys had Ari Shafir on. And then it was like Ari Shafir, Lisa Ann, the porn star. And then like the woman who created uh, was the showrunner for the new Muppets were like the first three I listened to in a row. And I was like, that is the most diverse guest I've ever heard. But you guys had <laughs> yeah. the same respect for the showrunner for the Muppets for the porn star. And it was wonderful. Like you guys, I've listened, you know, I, I had a porn star on here. I was on a network that was run by a retired porn star. And sometimes people talk to porn stars. They feel like there's a familiarity or just they automatically go raunchy because that's their job. But like, right. They're just yeah. People. Yeah. Like, we, we treated her like the way that we person. wanted to treat Lisa Ann is that, you know, she had a new book coming out and her book was really good. You know, she had spent a lot of time. Writing it about the industry, she's an advocate for, uh, you know, women's, uh, you know, safety within the industry. And we wanted to take that angle of it as her as an author and her book and her telling her stories that way. 
rather than just opening up with you know oh so you know tell us about the anal scene and you know this uh, you know it's like no <laughs> you know that that wasn't gonna go very far no and that wouldn't even be an interesting thing to listen to but, no uh, no everyone knows what she does for a living you know I mean, you don't she was on to, Thirty Rock. Was she really? I didn't yeah, know that. as Sarah Palin, because after she became famous uh, for yeah. that Sarah Palin porn, and then for right. whatever reason, she <laughs> had like um, I forgot why <laughs> she was in Thirty Rock, but she was in an episode of Thirty Rock as Sarah Palin. Maybe it was like a dream sequence or something. Right. That... Reprising her role as, as yeah, Sarah. and then she was yeah, like in an Eminem video. Because <laughs> the, the I was on a network run by a retired porn star, and her and Lisa Ann were like were like personal, like really close friends. <laughs> I used to try to get her on the show, but never end up happening. I think that's one of the things. The other one of the other things I really like about the podcasting medium is that you get to hear people who maybe maybe your life doesn't take you in in a lot of point star circles for all of the listeners that you have. Um, I know I'm, I'm not sure what that Venn diagram is of, of our <laughs> listeners, but I bet it's a lot larger than you think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not in the audio like a podcast firm. Maybe there's a certain hour of the day when they're alone. It's, they're not very, by the way, a total tangent, but not a very popular subgroup of podcasts, the, the porn podcast. Um, I don't even know if that exists. That's, uh, but, but I, I like hearing people being treated like people so that you can actually hear what they think and what they feel and, and kind of what their motivations are in their life. And I don't know, that's a cool thing. Uh, it's like the moth, you know, I mean, I oh, think that. I love that show. One of the trendsetters for that. And I, that's why I, I like, I do, I do really enjoy that about your guys' show, David, as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's just trying to get their stories out. That's that's kind of the the whole deal there, and it's uh, it's interesting that you know some are like hostile witnesses and trying to get them to you know tell those stories. <laughs> you know, trying to pull and pull and pull, and finally you get uh, some stuff out of there. But I'd say the majority of them, they're just you know they're more than happy to you know tell you know background stories, and it's just how. You ask the questions, what questions you ask, and you know the kind of story or framing that you're trying to put around it, and that's what we try to shoot for. So we appreciate that. So how did you guys start your show? And again, I have nothing to do with that side. <laughs> uh, listening, uh, actually, you brought up the the whole inspiration before, which was um, Bill Burr. You know, we yeah. were big fans of his podcasts, and uh, Julia the just said, you know, or something like that. Yeah, uh, the Monday Morning Podcast. Yeah, yeah. and. We used to just, you know, sit around and, you know, have a cocktail in the driveway and, you know, pop on some Bill Burr. And as we're, she was listening to it, you know, she's an author. And as you guys know, that, you know, being an author is, you know, brutal these days. You know, the, a lot of the publishers are cutting back on who they bring in as authors and uh, readership is way down. And, you know, there's so many mediums for entertainment now that she thought, you know, I, I, want to try this i want to you know give it a shot and if i can't tell my stories through you know through the written word maybe i can you know try it on this and just kind of started that that's so brilliant like and almost if you're going to make it in that field of author or anything entertainment you almost need to be multifaceted where you have to you got to do one thing to get known for like you do the podcast so people can maybe buy your book it's you know you got to get your name out there because i would never i'm not a big reader so i would never have found her work if it wasn't for uh, the podcast, and then maybe vice versa, so it, they all can go hand in hand. And she has, uh, turns out, it's you know, it has helped her sell a lot of her first book. So it was, you know, we didn't see that as a kind of a secondary kind of benefit of doing this. We just thought it was just another medium to get the stories out there, and then more books started uh, selling. And she's like, huh, who would have thunk it? <laughs> I think that's important too, because a lot of times people will approach something like this, especially. Nowadays, there's kind of a like a side gig hustle mentality that everybody has, which I, on one hand, I, I really like that mentality. I think it's cool that people are pushing their stuff and doing things, but but I think you can overdo it if you're like, oh, this will help me sell my book, and that's the only reason I'm doing it. It's not going to be right. a very great show, and and you can tell that that you know when you're listening to your show that it's done lovingly and that it's done like like you're into it. You're doing it for its own merits. Yeah, I think people yeah. smell authenticity nowadays. I think you're right. Yeah, there's the everyone has a very keen, you know, bullshit detector. So. Yeah, like I, yeah. I notice that with TV. Like if there's a show I'm watching and I'm like, you can just almost tell. Like, well, here's a, a good example. Like I, I liked Modern Family, and then at some point it feels like they all just checked out, and they're like, it just turned into a paycheck, and then the show stopped being funny. It stopped being good, and it's usually not my go-to like show, but it was like the ah, oh, there's nothing else on. I'll I'll flip it on, and just I don't. It just like it fell off. 
And but then you watch like Seinfeld, where that show you could tell they were hungry until the last episode. Like mm-hmm. it, the quality was just always there. Yeah, people see that stuff. I mean, they they can you know when it comes to entertainment of of any kind, podcasts or you know, movies, otherwise, you could tell when it's just phoned in. Yeah, I feel that way about yeah uh, the the Gilmore Girls reboot. But I was asked, I was helping cover it for our our, our podcast networks, TV podcast, and. Uh, it felt like to me the in, in most of the scenes, not all, but in most of the scenes, the main characters who have maybe acted other places were kind of like, mm-hmm. whereas the bit characters who who were the character actors that that were in the background were just playing the hell out of their old characters. Um, so you, yeah, you can start, tell that if people are are enjoying it, and if they don't seem to be enjoying it, it's not interesting to listen to or watch. Did you enjoy the reboot? I've actually. Never saw Gilmore Girls, but my wife watches it all the time, so I've walked in and seen parts of it. I'm like, I should watch this show. I think they they invited me to do it because I was sort of on the record as being a dude who I I was like I was I was probably kind of like you where it was like my wife was like check this out and but then I was unashamedly after that like yeah this is, this is good I like it it was silly it was a silly old show and they made a silly bunch of reboots about it it was actually uh, pretty obnoxious uh, until the final one actually okay. It's hard to go back to a show like when they did the, the next season of Arrested <laughs> Development, which I liked, but it's hard. Sometimes I, I'm a firm believer sometimes that there needs stories need beginnings, middles, and end, and maybe you just let it die. But I don't know. I, I've yet to I, see I love it. that show. That Arrested Development's great, but you know, watching that uh, last kind of season that they put out there on Netflix, I was like, uh... yeah, I liked it, but it's not the one I go back to watch. Right. Yeah, yeah me too. That's the same thing. I think that. Well, there's a fine balance between breaking the pattern that, that, you know, sticking with the pattern that made you great and then breaking it. And if you break it in a smart way, then it's great, but it's easy to break it in a way that ain't so smart. <laughs> and, and that's uh, like, well, I think Breaking Bad did it great where they took a character and spun it off and did like the prequel sequel kind of thing with Better Call Saul. So it's like I'm still in that universe, but I'm not. Or even Marvel does a great job with that, with like their TV shows like Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, like. They're same, they're different, they're all connected, but they're all different. So it's, I I like, I like all that stuff a ton, but, um, I do, I do need to see the second season of Better Call Saul. I heard it was very good. It's great. Yeah. You know, I, I love, love, love Breaking Bad. And I thought it was the perfect ending and the spinoff to still keep you in that world, like you said, is great. Uh, All this talk of, you know, are they going to come back with another Breaking Bad? Should they do it? No. I I hope they don't. Just re- end it. Like don't don't just let that let him be dead. Don't ruin yeah. this for me. And, and Oden 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 a Chicago guy. Yeah, he is. And he's and comedy guy by the way. Big, Big time. Guy. I mean yeah. like. Oh, he, he did that uh, show with uh, David Cross. What was, Mr. Show. Uh, Mr. Show. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. like a comedy legend now. Turned like. So, in, so did you guys ever watch the? Uh, they only made like two seasons, but the Birthday Boys that sketch comedy. Yeah. Show, he, yeah, I think it's still on Netflix and it's a weird comedy show with just exactly my sense of humor like that sort of uh, it, it really fits into the the Odin Kirk like like CBB canon like comedy mm-hmm. bang bang style of just yeah. like random improv comedy that a lot of people would look at and go what obviously because they only had two seasons but I love that kind of stuff. I gotta check that out. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his and just uh, the stuff that uh, wasn't even writer on SNL for SNL, a while. SNL, yeah, I think yeah. His brother's yeah. a Simpsons writer. Yeah, he's done a lot. He's uh, he's like that guy that you just didn't know. I, did he do Dana Carvey's show or one of those canceled TV shows or Ben Stiller show? He's like one of those guys. Like when you go through his work, it doesn't make you're like, what? You've been doing this forever. <laughs> What's that? Nobody ever talks about the Ben Stiller sketch comedy show. Oh, I remember <laughs> only <was> Ben Stiller. <laughs> yeah, it, I feel like it was. I don't know if I ever saw it, but I think people like. Is it one of those shows like everyone on it went off to become super famous kind of thing? Pretty much, yeah. It was. Uh, and, yeah, there were there were a bunch of people that were on that show that did uh, very well with their careers afterwards. And uh, the, who's that old comedian uh, who's a director now? It's David Steinberger. Stein I, I, Steinberger. I can't remember his last name. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't remember, but he has a comedy interview show that's on, uh, I think it's on either Showtime or HBO. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Inside Comedy. Or yes, oh, it's like, that. it's like a podcast that you, that you can watch. Right, exactly. And they had Ben still around, and he spent a good amount of time talking about that TV show. <laughs> oh, it's a, it is, I should try, I should try to find it. 
I think it's on CW app right now. Um, is that the one? No, I think Colbert and Carell were on the Dana Carvey show. I think I they were together. Because there's a great sketch that I, I watched, and it's um, waiter. It's Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert before their fame, and it's like waiters nauseated by talking about food, and it's them <laughs> trying to explain a menu without vomiting, and it's so fucking ridiculous that I just can't stop. It makes me laugh so hard. That's the that's the, you guys hit it on though it's it hit right on and I think it's the key to anything rebooted that better better off Saul is better because it's not trying to be Breaking Bad exactly so, so circling back I, I I I had not heard that they want to redo Breaking Bad like what are they gonna like he didn't die yeah technically uh you like, don't know that Walt that. died in the last scene uh-huh. now I'm on yeah I guess in theory like we never see him die we see here the ambulance is coming and maybe he didn't die and then. What's the aftermath of everything? But I don't think how it would be fun. Yeah, or even doing, you know, a prequel they were talking about, you know, to where even before he, you know, even during his teaching days, I'm like, well, how's that going to be exciting? Unless it's <laughs> Jesse. Yeah, it's like, oh, cool, nerdy teacher. Right, yeah. I'm very straight-laced. <laughs> don't push me, I'll break bad. <laughs> One of these days, I swear, honey. You all know what's coming up. You all know what's coming up. Yeah, I don't think that could work. I, just, no. I mean, maybe no. they're creative geniuses. Maybe they could do it, but it's just kind of nice to see it be dead. And or maybe like the an, guy that writes that show produces it. He's Peter he's Gould and Vince Gilligan. Yeah, Vince Gilligan, that guy. I mean, between the two shows that he's. You know, have you ever heard him talk? No, no, I haven't. You wouldn't. I, this is there's no way to say this without sounding like an asshole. But he sounds like a simpleton. He has like a thick like Virginia accent, and he's just very simplistic in his speaking. So you don't expect his personality does not match Breaking Bad, and it's he seems like such a sweet guy, but he's like, oh well, you know, we just kind of rid ourselves into a little corner there, and then we thought, yeah, we'll just let her choke to death, and you're like, what? Well, just check that name off the list of people that won't be coming on the show, right? <laughs> oh, but he he jokes about it all the time. He's a huge comedy fan. Um, I feel like you guys could probably get him at some point, uh, oh. and that give us his information. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he's um for his accent. There. He's a big podcast guy. Oh no, I've heard him like rag on himself about it all the time. Um, he's he's a really funny guy. Like he's just like a really seems like an interesting, cool, funny dude. Uh, I'd be at home right now, a single tear running down his cheek. It's like, damn it, Chris. <laughs> he um, cause he put in Bill Burr, and then the actor who played Huel was a stand-up comedian. Odenkirk. Right. I mean, he threw stand-ups in that show that unnecessarily and fucking rightfully so yeah bill burr was great on that show it's uh, oh that train sequence five or six yeah great on the show oh god yeah that's uh that's one of the things that i'm seeing is in comedy and drama they're putting a lot more uh comedians and strong comic actors in there they're really letting them create their own characters i feel like uh parks and rec especially when it really found its legs it really became like an ensemble comedy where a lot of those personalities people I would never have heard of, but they came on and played their on-stage persona mm. character. And I, I feel like that's one of the better comedy showcases for, for comedic talent. I think Parks and Rec was the closest to a live-action Simpsons that we'll ever get. <laughs> I, I, they really expanded the universe. Like Pawnee was kind of this quirky town. And then there yeah. were all these side characters that got backstory sometimes, like, you know, Perp Havley and Joan Calamezzo. And like, there's all these like little side, even Jerry, like these little characters that were always like a part of it. Like when they did their, the final episode and we got that episode, I, I will admittedly say it made me cry. It was so perfectly done. I've never seen a show end so well. Yeah, it was, it was good. I, uh, I think that's a great tagline for them. The live action Simpsons. Yeah, I, I, I think they would take that as a compliment as well. Like I, Simpsons is to me the gold standard of everything in my life. <laughs> that's Simpsons first and everything else second. Let's tell that to the pregnant woman again. <laughs> Look at how many years the Simpsons, you know, has been on. Almost. It's just, it's going to hit 30 years. Isn't that yeah. insane? Like when we talking to like Mike Price, he's like, Oh, I didn't jump on until season fifteen and there so I'm like, You've still been on the show for half of his existence and there were still fifteen right. years before you even showed up. Still a veteran. Yeah, and he's still like one of the Yeah. And he's like I he's five years after the golden age, people call it, which Yeah. Um actually this most recent Simpsons marathon was the first time in my life I actually watched stuff on purpose after season ten. 
And mm-hmm. maybe there's definitely some dip somewhere in the middle, but the later seasons around the 20s, really strong. And I really liked them. Like, and some of them were Mike's episodes. And I like, I'm totally a fan of the whole series again. I was such a snob about not going past season like 13. And now I was like, man, I was loving these new ones. That's cool. I think it'd be great when we're, when we're also really old and we're like, can you believe the Simpsons has been on for, uh, for 80 years? You know, that'll be, I'm looking forward to that day. How would you guys end it if you were in charge of writing the last episode of The Simpsons? Ooh. Boy, that's a great question. I think about this a lot. That's the kind of mind we're talking to. <laughs> I, I, I would, uh, I would do a takeoff of all the famous endings. The, the St. Elsewhere snow globe. The Roseanne coma fantasy or whatever that one was. The Alf being taken Bob. by the government. Uh, Bob Newhart. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, Newhart. The waking up. It was all a dream. Classic one. Yeah. I'd try to. I would think they they should do all of them. <laughs> Throw a little mash in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, perfect. That's not a bad Someone's idea. Someone's gonna go down in a copter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that's actually all of those are good ideas because then that could actually explain um, explain why they're like. Canon is as consistent because like they re they rechange things like Marge and Homer meet in the nineties again. So if it's all a dream sequence, that could actually work. Mm-hmm. I think we just wrote their last episode. I'm gonna call them. Let's call we'll call Mike Mike Price and let him know. Yeah, and he'll say, guys, well, we have an inside connection, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and he'll say, don't evidence that this was our idea this with this podcast. But I want the this money for it. Big stamp. Yeah. Send the check to. <laughs> Well, I've heard Al Jean say in interviews that he would end it, um, that they, they go to a uh, Christmas pageant, so the whole thing runs full circle. Uh, like, oh, that would be cool. I don't know. They might have to do a Seinfeld thing where they have to kind of disappoint everyone and uh, have every character come back. I mean, I think my idea is it would just – I would like to do it kind of like um, just nothing. Just make it a regular episode. Nothing happens and nothing special, and then it's just over. Full of full-on Sopranos. Well, not the blackout, but <laughs> so my my wife is her hometown is the film town where they filmed that final scene of The Sopranos. And when I met her, I had just finished watching it, and no one in her family gave a shit or watched the show. So of course, I made them take me there and sit in the booth, and I spent one hour theorizing why why I think he died, and no one in the restaurant gave a shit. No one cared. <laughs> they heard there's like actual tour buses that show up once a day to do the same thing and I was like and, and, and this in and season 6 and he's talking to him and uh, I was obnoxious like you, I that show just took me and my dad got hooked on it together and just we devoured it and you're like that's it you guys don't care what I'm talking about I'm starting a podcast yeah. somebody care a couple of years later did they yeah they existed back then the podcasts have been around what 10 years now so so you know this I have to say then if you're that into the conspiracy theories about how he, you think he died you, mm-hmm. you know about the, the script, right? Like, yeah, I read the script that they kill him. Yeah, yeah. The, the script showed a guy walking towards him menacingly, and it was yeah. the rush, whatever, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then the other reason I always thought he died is because if you do a flashback to the scene, uh, I believe where it's him and I forgot the guy's name. Not Big Pussy because he's dead. One of his, Janice's husband, uh, they're on a boat and like on vacation, and it's like, I told him, what, happen- what do you think happens when you die? And he like kind of looks out to the water. And this really kind of an emotional scene that only James Gandolfino can do. He's like, it all just goes black. I can't do his voice. That was no, that was spot on. I thought he called in. Like, I was almost there. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, so and and you know Tony's not a religious man, and so like an atheist such as him or myself would even think that when you die you're dead. So you, it just goes black. And unless you guys have another theory, I would love to hear. Unless David, you never seen the show, and we're just wasting. Your oh time. no, I I love it. It was a great show. But, uh, yeah, when all of that press came out and everyone was so disappointed in the ending, uh, which I, I thought the ending was great. I thought, yeah. what better way to end it? You know, just go to black. With the family. I think it was great too because I think their creators had some foresight to know that, like, people's immediate reaction aren't, is not going to be the one that we talk about in 10 years, you know, because sometimes public opinion will change. And I think yeah. now people look back and, uh, are happy. I also didn't watch it when it aired. I watched it on DVD about five years after. So uh, I didn't know it was, or maybe not even that long. But so like if I had to watch that for like a decade and that's how it ended, I don't know how I would have felt. But doing it on DVD, I was like, yep, makes sense. My dad had an interesting theory about it uh, when when it ended. We were talking about it as a, a evidence that essentially 
that that Tony had no real no real arc as far as like he had little mini arcs in his character or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when this when it ends, that like I was like that's kind of bummer. And 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 my dad was like, no, actually that's how it had to end. They're all trapped in the same cycle of behavior, aren't they? Oh, oh, so oh, Mr. Dwight, yeah. dad, yeah, that's deep. Well, yeah, because he's a sociopath, so he can't. He, Are you saying about my dad? Your father is a sociopath, <laughs> so he just got it. <laughs> wow, that's that's wow. gloves are off now. He just went there. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like what is Tony going to do? Like, turn around and be like, "Oh, I'm going to be a reformed mobster." Like, what yeah. possible thing can but, they do to make it? Like, he can go to witness protection, or he dies. And there's the, there's no way for that show to end without you being mad. That would have been great. It, that would talk about pissing off the fan base if he just like came a rat. Robbins in like Minnesota. Oh well, um, interestingly enough, when we were talking about Breaking Bad, uh, Dexter ended the same day, same night, or same time frame as Breaking Bad, and they don't kill Dexter off, and nobody talked about that show afterwards. No, no, I've heard some angry people. About yeah, then that. he goes off and becomes a lumberjack or something, and they killed Deb or whatever. I don't know. I didn't watch it. I stopped after season five. Sure, uh, give him an axe. That was smart. Yeah, <laughs> he's cured. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure nothing bad happened after that. Yeah, when he's in the yeah. woods alone with an axe. And I yeah, think that's, give, him, give him a tool of the trade. Yeah, that's perfect. That's great. And I think that's why Breaking Bad ended so well because it had closure and we we saw this character's full arc, uh, like Tony. It's just it dead. also. It also kind of goes against the idea that we need to ha- always have a surprise twist. You should call it M. Night Shyamalan. Then I love a surprise twist. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know. that's A lot of people kind of feel like he popularized, repopularized the, the surprise twist so much so that, you know, look at Breaking Bad. It when you, got, when you finally got down to the last episode, there wasn't much of anything that was surprising. Uh, it was just yeah. kind of like this, ha- this ended the way it should have, and it was interesting to watch it get there. Well, and they it told was- you in day one that Walt is going to die. By season five, you don't know when, but he will. Die. When it ends, Walt's dead, and we don't know if that's going to be episode one or the last one. But they made that promise to the audience: this is what's going to happen, and it happened. And Gilbert, right. two comes out, and it turns out the bullet killed his cancer. <laughs> See, that yeah. ruined everything. <laughs> it ricocheted off his cancer. Right? <laughs> he turns into a superhero. Guys, I'm fine. Tumor <laughs> saved me, and now I'm indestructible. That scene with Jesse when he drives away in the car was just so perfect. There was such good acting in that all oh, the way through it. Uh, and just even the bit players uh, that would weave in and out uh, were just genius characters. And the oh, writing, uh, of course, gets, you know. Skitty Pete. Amazing. Yeah. Just, uh, and the camera. Think. Some of the camera work in that show, which doesn't get enough credit. Like, there was just these shots that were just, like, fucking, like, movie quality. Uh, it was just unnecessarily, like, oh, let's show them opening up a thing of... Uh, methylene and then they would just show like the fisheye view of like the three of them for like a second and like that's a lot of work for that one perfect shot and it was beautiful beautiful show yeah Yeah, it was great the interesting thing was kind of the backdrop of new mexico is that nothing bad has ever happened in new mexico before that show yeah you know it's why have it there and it was perfect i mean you can't think of a better place to have that shot funny thing is because i'm one of these obsessive people has to read everything about stuff i love like that um it was supposed to take place in california and it was just cheaper to shoot in new mexico and then the idea the studio was like yeah we'll just keep it we just we'll keep we'll just keep it as california and and do whatever and then skilligan's like anywhere we shoot there's a mountain no just make it new mexico and then he rewrote the pilot with that in mind and that kind of gave it more life which i thought was quite cool very cool like sometimes uh Sometimes uh, restrictions can uh, encourage creativity. Like with like that Seinfeld episode we were talking about, not being able to say the word masturbate made that episode ten times funnier. Yeah. Well, that's the classic, uh, what, what the first Star Wars movie compared with Phantom Menace. They always talk about that, that it was a collaborative effort and there was lots of challenges and uh, they had to do certain things because they had to find certain costumes. And, yes, yes. Uh, and in Phantom Menace, it was like one person's opinion all ruled supreme. <laughs> <laughs> if only we could find out who that person was. I don't was. know who it is. Well, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. make him mad. He might not come on my show. <laughs> <laughs> He's lined up right after this call, I believe. But there's a, a really good article yep. I read on, on Noisy yep. about uh, music about that. It's like, why do bands who make such a great record find success and then just turn out shit? Like, like Weezer. Oh, I'm not the biggest fan of Weezer, but I, I like Weezer. But 
when they were like a young hungry band, they put out was it like the Green Album or whatever Pinkerton or whatever the one that everyone loves, and everything after that when they were successful and wealthy has just been kind of mediocre at best. I think it's an expectation set. You know, when yeah. somebody puts out a great album, that they go, "I want something even better," and uh, that kind of pressure. I just don't know if you know if the music isn't as good or that it's just people's perception based on them wanting more and more and better and better. Yeah, we're shitty fans, know. aren't we? Right? Like, yeah, you, you I, I, give I, me a good piece <laughs> of heart. All right, make another one the better, but like, this is hard. I don't like what you made for that I can access for mostly free. for free. <laughs> no, we don't know anything about that kind of critique being on <laughs> podcast. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I feel fortunate that I don't really get any uh, negative stuff, but I also don't think I have enough of a fan base uh, to get. Well, maybe I do, but I don't know. I don't, I don't go shit on people's podcasts. That was a really great humble brag that you did there. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm pretty great. No one shits on. Well, I mean, it's what it's like to get a negative review. That's really well. I don't have enough, enough positive ones to counter that, but <laughs> yeah, Juliet loves getting them. Uh, when she when she got the one for her book when it came out, uh, she actually had the whole uh, critique uh, put on a coffee cup. Really? And she, she wears it proud. Yeah. Was yeah. it uh, a valid critique, or if it was just shittyism? Uh, it was a little bit of both, actually. It was, yeah. you know, some was some, you know, actual critique that was like, okay, I can understand that. And, the, and some of the other parts were like, now you're just being mean. <laughs> but you, it, it's in a coffee mug uh, sitting right that. in our uh, in our house. I know which review I'm going to put on a on a mug now. <laughs> <laughs> do you think uh, Juliet probably eats probably a, a world of shit more than I do because of uh, she's a female on the internet and I'm a male on the internet? I, you know, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I think everyone, you know, a lot of people who do interact with the show have been really respectful and, uh, I think it kind of differentiates her in a way because I just don't know any one woman podcasts out there that are doing interviews right now. At least not that I think there's a couple of, uh, famous comedians that are doing them. Uh, but, you know, kind of in the indie world, I just don't know of them. Yeah. I know that, uh, Carly, Carly Beaumont, who, uh, runs the, uh, the core temp arts network that Chris and I both belong to of podcasts. She, uh, well, she, you know, she, she does a show with, uh, with a friend where, you know, they, they do like pop culture commentary and things like that. But she was talking to me about bringing people into the network and how she's always looking for like strong female podcasters. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe they're out there, but it's just like you said, they're very few and far between. Yeah, they're very, definitely they're out dudes. there. I'm just not aware of them. You it's know, a, I just, definitely male dominated radar, industry yeah. already. There's a great oh, hashtag yeah. um, called SheePod. If you click that, it'll, yes, yeah, I think the creator of that is going to be. Well, we already recorded it. It hasn't come out yet, but she's a guest in the show. Yeah, so, and I, I've always tried to, ha- which is funny. We're all three white guys, I assume, uh, on the show. But I, I, I am always trying to strive to have more diversity <laughs> on the show. What did you say? You hope? Yeah, it's uh, welcome to the podcast world. Right? I said I assume. I don't know what David looks like. I just yeah. assume. No, and then I, well, I was trying to remember. Like, I think I've seen your picture, but then like I've seen a lot of people's. I don't know. My memory is not great. No, and that's yeah, that's that's one of the things I like about our our, our network is they're always trying to promote that as well, that diversity and the. That was the thing that attracted me to it the most because I was yeah. like, I wanted to. I I grew up in a diverse area. I lived in a diverse area, and it, I diversity is great. And more importantly, when you live in a diverse area, you get more food options, and that's what it really comes down to. <laughs> Yeah. No work from either of us on that one. Yeah, we were both. Like, well, oh, yeah, gotta have authentic Chinese food or. <laughs> Is that a joke? Because we both took it very seriously. <laughs> like, yeah. I really, yeah. I, I love having multiple cultures foods nearby. <laughs> it's, it's a real thing. Yeah, I was looking up the name of, uh, uh, Beyond Surviving. That's one by Rachel Grant. That's, a uh, one of my colleagues. And then, uh, On the Blue Cat. Ouch. Uh, Kathleen Brennan. That's another one. Those are both therapy podcasts, uh, about surviving trauma and things, so those are both strong female-led podcasts. Tell me, I'm gonna check those out. Yeah, it's. I, I wish I knew more of them out there. Tell mm-hmm. me, stories is really good with uh, Paula Allen. It's a music one. Oh, Paula's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah really she cool. does a interview with uh, bands. Uh, she's our favorite she, Canadian, yeah. eh? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, she does. That's another good one. Ooh. She does. Yeah, they look at uh, women in leadership positions. Should we start one called uh, She Don't and try to take them down a peg? <laughs> yeah. Be, be the counter. Podcast? Is that what you're... Is yeah, that's a counter podcast. <laughs> be like... <laughs> like 
Wow, what an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to distance myself from that idea. Just yeah. a tad. Taking it back. <laughs> Taking it back. Well, it's Make like those it assholes. Can be the tagline. Like those assholes who try to protest the new Star Wars movie because of the lack of white people in it, and then the movie oh. goes on and makes like eighty-five billion dollars. Be like, Ay. oh, jeez. <laughs> Which I actually, I've not seen Rogue One yet. I'm supposed to go on Tuesday. What? I'm yeah, not I know. Star Wars. Fan. We haven't seen it either. Oh man, I didn't yeah. grow up with Star Wars. We we uh, Naked Gun was on in my house more than Star Wars was. If that makes sense to you. So that Naked Gun is like my infinity of life favorite childhood movies. That's, that's a bummer for you because the, the Naked Gun prequel doesn't. Which one? Come out till 2017. Like later <laughs> in the, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought you were talking I'm, about the one after when OJ left. Uh, I forgot what it's called. It's nothing to do with Naked Gun. It's the same movie as Naked Gun, but it takes place after but after OJ gets beats a murder rap. <laughs> they make a movie with Leslie Nielsen. And, no, I, I don't know. I think uh, um, uh, Angie Tribeca is the TV version of the new yes, Naked Gun. Which I didn't get into. No. I, I watched like three or four episodes and then I, I was like, I get it. Yeah, exactly. I, it's not but sustainable. Or well, Police Squad, but like, I mean, I'm not going to watch that again because I don't have access to it. Yeah, that was pretty good. I, yeah, I yeah. used to really like that. And then uh, I like Hulu has some of the classic TV shows, but it has this annoying thing where it doesn't have all the episodes. So it'll be like episodes one, three, five, and seven. So I was trying to watch Taxi, but like I need to know what happens in two and four or something. So I just didn't do it. I always remember names wrong. I get it wrong. I was trying to watch Taxi and I ended up, I'm like, why does he keep like talking to that young prostitute and then a shot over the eyes? I was like, I don't remember this show being so dark. Why did he, sh- he shave his head? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Did you uh, catch Black Mirror? No, I need to. Oh, wow. Oh, Turned on to that. Oh, hey, Carly actually had me watch one for our TV podcast, and I was like, wow, I'm hooked. That's a great show. What's it about? Yeah. It's all different stories. It, it's almost like a new version of uh, The Twilight Zone, but it's exactly. kind of centered around technology uh, exactly. in, in today and in the future. But it doesn't go all, you know, it's not wacky or it's... It's pretty, it's not overly dark, but there's some real poignant moments in some of those episodes. It's wow. pretty, it's, it's pretty dark. Yeah, some of it's, know. yeah. Some of them are, some of them are pretty, at least the ones that I watched uh, were, were the yeah, ones with I was hugged black right black after the first one. Yeah. To give you an idea, Chris. There was one, uh, the one that I was introduced to the series by was one where somebody was, uh, a young man was blackmailed through hackers recording what he was doing through his webcam. Yeah. Uh, and it started off saying, like, we'll, we'll send this video of you doing a thing to everyone uh, unless you deliver this package. And then, of course, the tasks just got a little bit more extreme. Shit. Yeah, so so it's like... Like Mr. robot It's like, kind of like, in a way, it's like... Yeah, yeah, very much like that, as far as, like, it's yeah. realistic sci-fi. Of like, what if the technologies that actually exist or are about to exist were used in certain ways that are interesting and sometimes horrifying? Well, I can't think of anything in uh, current political landscape that could affect that. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. <laughs> no, can't think of a thing. <laughs> I was a big fan of the episode uh, where uh, uh, everyone gets raided, uh, and y- you're basically living your life based on uh, you know a Yelp-like rating. And that was amazing. Oh, Community did an episode like that too. Communities was darker though. Really? <laughs> no, <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> they didn't try very hard. Um, oh, awesome. Well, uh, we're at the uh, the hour mark. Uh, did we miss anything that we, you want to? That we should hit up on first, because sometimes I forget to talk to people about the thing they're here for. Oh, no, not at all on this side. No, I appreciate you having me on. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, where could people find uh, you online? And then give your plugs, and then Dwight will hear your plugs. Sure. You just go to the unwritablerant.com. You can find the show out there, all of the links to social media. And uh, my Twitter handle is uh, Behind the Rant. Clever. Mr. DeWitt? What yeah. What? You can find me here, here on the Core Temp Arts Network, hanging out with Chris. Uh, I am uh, my show is The Broken Brain, where we talk about mental health and psychotherapy and culture and the way that that interacts with psychology and all those. That's a pretty broad umbrella, so you can hear you can find episodes just about anything. Sometimes I'm on it, uh, and Chris is often on there as well. So yeah, cool. those are 
Those are the what, what everyone calls the the best episodes. I think the golden. Ah, uh, the liars. I like them. <laughs> the the golden set of my podcast that comes with uh, the Chris Rebel episodes up front. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> on Twitter, I'm on Twitter at Breakabrain, and I gotta say, I also feel like I need to plug Rogue One to my two co. Uh, or two yeah, I, I don't think that's making enough money. <laughs> that, that little <laughs> indie film. Just for you two specific individuals. Yeah, I'm I'm going on Tuesday because uh, I'm going with my brother and my wife. We're gonna go together. All right, Good. we'll get there. I promise, and it'll probably be uh, you know when you know, it dies down a little bit and it's not so crazy and not as many costumes in the audience. I think that'll be fine for us. Yeah, well, then you should have the whole cast on your podcast. If you can make that, that happen, I'll allow it. <laughs> I just keep thinking yeah. of that. We'll scene. share it, Chris. Yeah, well, we'll just all just you know we'll, we'll rotate them. I think of that scene in Arrested Development when she goes to Anya and here go see a Star War. <laughs> It's one of my favorite memes on the internet. <laughs> That's one of those lines I walk around my house saying all the time. Here, go see a Star Wars. <laughs> Good, that show. Oh, well, thank you guys uh, so much for doing this. And um, um, Hey, thanks again, guys. Uh, thank thank you. you. If you've heard the dreadful tale of the Baudelaire orphans in a series of unfortunate events, then you know their story is to be avoided at all costs. But if you choose to delve into this yarn of terrible circumstances, treacherous situations, and despicable men who seek to steal the riches of orphans, then seek out the Unfortunate Associates podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you find podcasts. Every week, myself, Tyler, and my co-host, B, discuss the series of unfortunate events, books, films, and now the Netflix original series. Here's a clip of what you can expect when you tune in to Unfortunate Associates. And there's sort of this running gag saying how awful it is not to use a coaster when you put a drink down on a wooden table. Like, finding a coffee ring on a table becomes shorthand for all oh, right, right. in here. I love that, like, the horrible thing he does in 2 is, like, blow his nose on the curtains. It's like, that's so gross, but also... Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, I forgot and, and about she, that. Yeah. She goes into his room and d- discovers with horror <laughs> that he's blowing yeah. his nose. That's such a hilarious detail. Yeah.